Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to HeyYA Extra Credit. Every other week, opposite the main HeyYA podcast, we'll bring you a short-form podcast. And this week, I'm excited to share some thoughts and reflections on a YA book that is celebrating an anniversary this year. But first, let's hear from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by The In-Between by Mark Klein, published by Little Brown Books for Young Readers. After bouncing around in foster homes for most of her childhood, 17-year-old Tessa Jacobs doesn't believe that she deserves love. Not from her adoptive parents, and certainly not from anyone at school. But everything changes when she has a chance encounter at the local movie theater with Skylar, a senior from a neighboring town who's a true romantic. Their budding relationship quickly leads to the kind of passionate love you only see in the movies. And Tessa starts to believe that she might be deserving of a happy ending after all. When tragedy strikes, Tessa wakes up alone in the hospital with no memory of how she got there, and Skylar has passed away. As Tessa begins her relentless search for answers, Skylar's spirit reaches out to her from the other side. Desperate to see him one last time, Tessa must unravel the pieces of their relationship, and the truth might even lead her to the afterlife itself. That is The In-Between by Mark Klein. Thank you so much for sponsoring this week's episode. First off, happy pride, everyone. It is June. I am always so excited to celebrate Pride when this month rolls around, Um, but that was not always the case. So um, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Earlier this year, when I was doing a bunch of research for new books and releases, I was sort of just trolling through the catalogs. I noticed that You Know Me Well by David Levithan and Nina LaCour was getting a new paperback reissue because it's the five-year anniversary of that book's release. And honestly, that kind of blew my mind. I just cannot believe that it's been five years already. I read that book the second it came out, and I loved it right away. And so just hearing about a new edition really got me reflecting about why this book was so significant to me, like personally, but also how much has just changed in the last five years for queer YA fiction and the world. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. And I was able to revisit this book in its beautiful new edition, which as of, you know, this airing is out today. So I highly recommend picking it up. Um, But for those of you who might not be familiar with this book, You Know Me Well is a collaborative book written by two YA superstars. So David Levithan is a YA author and editor, and he's been an award-winning trailblazer for queer YA fiction for years. Nina LaCour is the Prince Award-winning author of multiple just beautiful YA novels, many of which are queer. So both Nina and David write from the perspective of like their own character, and then the chapters go back and forth. So David writes Mark, Nina writes Kate. And at the start of the novel, Pride Week in San Francisco is just kicking off when Kate and Mark meet by chance, 
but it kind of feels like fate. Both of them are queer and they go to the same school, but they've never really met each other until Mark gets his heart broken and Kate is running from the girl of her dreams and their paths cross and they become instant friends and they head to this party that they weren't expecting to go on and it kind of changes their week and also their lives. So the rest of the book just follows them on this tumultuous, exhilarating, life-changing week and they become fast friends, they examine old friendships, they find and lose love, and they also look to the future. It's epic in that sort of perfect teenage book kind of way where you have like this group of teens discovering a world of excitement and possibility against a really vibrant backdrop, in which case is Pride in San Francisco. And honestly, it's so adaptation ready that I kind of can't believe that we don't have a movie in the works. And I can only assume we don't because it's a queer novel. And, you know, that's a really silly reason for why it hasn't happened yet. But Netflix, get on it. We already know that you like David Levithan's work. Get on it. So this book is significant for a lot of different reasons. But first off, it's a story of a friendship between two queer teens. Mark is gay. Kate is a lesbian. There's nothing romantic between them. And that felt pretty significant for 2016, um, which is, you know, when this book first came out. We had a lot of angsty queer books and we had a lot of romantic queer books, but I really can't think of any book that went in as hard on the friendship angle as this did. And it's so amazing and important because queer friendships and queer communities are everything. And it's so apt that this book is set during Pride, which is a celebration of being queer, but it's not all about romantic love. It's about community and connection and support. So this is also the first book that I can remember that had a fully queer cast. All of the main characters and secondary characters are queer, like all of the friends, all of the, you know, the person that I sit next to in class, like everybody is queer. The only straight people in this book are the parents and maybe the teachers, but they are barely in the book at all. And this was really the first time I remember reading a YA book where I felt like queer audiences were fully centered. And we weren't just reading a book that, you know, was supposed to be for queer readers, but it also felt like some part of it had to also appeal to straight readers as well. Not this book. You Know Me Well is 100% for those queer readers. And then one thing that was really personally significant to me, but I, I think and I hope also significant to a lot of other readers, was that this was the first time I read a YA book with a character who uses they, them pronouns. Now, I don't think that this was the first YA book that did it. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to make that claim because I don't have the data to back that up. But it clearly stands out in my mind as the first time I read they, them pronouns as, you know, applied to a single person on the page. And it is just a minor character, but they show up a couple of times in the book. The character's name is Greer. They're identified as non-binary. And then the authors really just roll with it from there. There's no explanation about pronouns. Nobody messes up. Like, everybody just uses they, them pronouns. And I think that for me, it was really memorable because at that time in my life, of course, I, I knew that there were people who used other pronouns aside from he or she, but I hadn't yet in my life met anybody who who would use them or had used they, them specifically. And this book, even though it was just a small instance, I think it really did a lot to help normalize that for me. And I hope also normalize it for a lot of other people and maybe even, you know, inspire or show other YA authors that like, look, you can write your books with your characters who use they, them pronouns or neo-pronouns. 
um, because, you know, we do have more YA books with protagonists even that um, don't just use the binary pronouns. I mean, here I am five years later. I'm actually married to somebody who's non-binary and uses they, them pronouns. And I promise you, it's really not that hard to wrap your mind around. Like it might seem intimidating or confusing at first. I will say it takes a little bit of practice, but once you get into that practice and you sort of retrain your brain, it's really simple. Like I, I don't mess up anymore. Like, and I think that what we really need going forward is just more examples of neo-pronoun use and they them use in pop culture to really normalize it for a broader audience and you know me well was just kind of the first example i remember seeing and that's why it really stands out in my head so as i mentioned this um, is a new edition of the book it has a beautiful new cover it's really pretty and joyous it's this like vibrant blue and it features illustrations of a bunch of characters on the cover people who are celebrating pride and waving flags And then there's an illustration of the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. So we know it's San Francisco. Inside, we have a new, um, they're calling it a short story, but it honestly feels more like an epilogue to me that gives readers some insight into the lives of the people who are featured on the cover. So, you know, this is not really a huge spoiler, but at the end of the book, there's a scene where Kate and Mark are walking to the big parade. And they're passing a bunch of different people. So this sort of short story epilogue gives you insight into like the people that they pass as they walk to the parade and, you know, just kind of tells you like where they're from and like who they are and what has brought them to this moment. So they read a little bit like like tiny little vignettes and they're really, you know, lovely and well written because David Levithan and Nina LaCour wrote this. So it's nice to see that the authors did sort of put some thought into showing more diversity of queer experiences in that little epilogue, because if this book does have any, you know, limitations, Kate and Mark are cis and white and able-bodied and, you know, so are their friends. And they also identify in a, you know, pretty straightforward manner because Mark is gay, Kate is a lesbian. There's very little intersectionality when it comes to like gender and um, sexual orientation and race. And, you know, there's just, you know, not hardly a lot about trans teens. So the epilogue is, you know, a nice way for some teens who maybe don't feel like their experiences are represented in the book to kind of get a glimpse of that and see as though, you know, feel as though that their experiences are seen. But with that said, it's very brief. So... The new edition also includes a conversation with the authors in the back, um, and they talk about the genesis and the writing of this novel, how they finished it just weeks after the Supreme Court declared marriage equality for all, which is pretty cool. And, and then also about how their own like writing careers have evolved with representation of queer books. And they also talk about what pride means to them and how they wanted to infuse this novel with like their own personal experiences and meaning with pride. Um, You know, growing up, I never saw any portrayals of queer joy. My only frame of reference was fear and shame and hiding and all the misery that accompanies that. So I was in my mid-20s when I read this book. And while I wasn't newly out per se, I think I really was new to this idea of pride and how celebratory and essential it could be in the queer experience. Um, You know, the first time I really remember feeling joy and pride in June was June 2015. So this book came out a year later, and I acknowledge that pride can be a bit of a sticky subject, especially 
Um, you know, these days you have major corporations who see it as an opportunity to make money. <laughs> and there's also, you know, a lot of divisiveness in the queer community at any given time because queer people are not a monolith. Um, there's a lot of problematic gatekeeping or just like excluding trans siblings and and not being you know, empathetic or sensitive or welcoming to their own unique experiences. So this book isn't going to be something that I think offers a solution or even addresses all of those issues. But reading it for me is a reminder that we deserve joy too, that being queer isn't tragic. It's really joyous and wonderful. And that joy is what felt really revolutionary to me when I first read this book five years ago. It reminded me of pride and it made me feel pride in a really significant way. So it's been five years. We have even more amazing novels out now. And by that, I just mean like quantity. We have so many more amazing novels out now. Um, Not only do we have contemporary YA, but we also have queer YA books and I think almost any genre that you can, you know, imagine and more and more books just keep coming out. And that has been, I think, like the true gift of the last five years or so is seeing the number of queer books coming out in any given year increase. This month alone is pretty incredible for the number of books that are releasing. I think all the publishers got together and was like, all right, we're going to release all our queer books in June to celebrate Pride. And I love that. I could rattle off so many titles, but two notes. I hope you read books not just during, I hope you read queer books not just during Pride because obviously they're important and essential all year round. Um, But then I also do want to recommend two books that I think are great read-alikes for You Know Me Well. The first is Late to the Party by Kelly Quinlan. And if you follow me online at all, you probably know how much I love this book. It was one of my favorite reads of 2020. So it is about a girl named Cody. She has two amazing best friends named Maritza and Jacori. All three of them are queer. They're totally fine with it. They're out. It's no big deal. But it's summer and Maritza and Jacori really want to branch out and meet new people. They want to find love. They don't want to just do the same things that they always do in the summer. And like Cody kind of wants that too, but she's a lot more shy and hesitant and cautious. So when her friends decide that in order to accomplish their goal of summer love is to crash a senior's party, Cody nopes out. (laughs) She's just like, no, that's, I'm not doing that. That's not me. But jokes on her because she ends up having to go to that party anyway when her friends go without her and then become too drunk to drive home. So she goes to the party. She's thinking she's just going to pick them up and leave. But before she can get to them, she encounters Ricky. And now Ricky is the senior who's throwing the party. And he's a gay teen who is carrying on this secret relationship with a closeted guy. And Cody witnesses a private moment between them. And when she promises Ricky that she's not going to tell anybody, um, she and Ricky sort of hit it off. And soon Cody finds herself hanging out with Ricky a ton and they develop this real fast uh, relationship and friendship where they they feel really close really quickly. And it's this kind of a new experience for Cody because she's been friends with Maritza and Jacori since they were a lot younger. So um, this experience of meeting somebody where she's at right now and becoming friends with them is kind of fun because she realizes that, you know, Ricky sees her in a different way than her childhood friends do. 
So before long, Ricky introduces Cody to his friend group, which includes more queer teens and another girl that Cody starts crushing on hardcore. And that other girl appears to, you know, return Cody's feelings. But here's the catch. Cody is experiencing all of this and she hasn't told Ja'Cory Armoritza that she's made new friends, which turns out to bite her in the butt. So this book is so great at friendship and friend group dynamics. Like it took me back to high school in the best way possible. Uh, If you like like the summer setting and the new love and deep and complicated friendship themes of You Know Me Well, then Late to the Party is the perfect read alike. My second recommendation is Kings, Queens, and Inbetweens by Tanya Botheju. And it is about Nima, a biracial girl who knows that she's a lesbian, but she's not super confident in her outward presentation of her identity. So she lives in a really small town and it's summer when the book starts. Summer is kicking off with this festival that happens in her town every year. And so she and her best friend go to the summer festival. And that is where Nima sort of stumbles upon a drag show that is happening in this tent. And she becomes completely entranced. Through the drag show, she meets Deirdre, who is a drag queen that takes Nima under her wing. She also meets Winnow and starts to fall for her. Winnow is a fellow queer girl who performs as a drag king. So through knowing Deirdre and Winnow, Nima's eyes are really open to this wonderful, layered, sometimes confusing, but always exhilarating and mostly welcoming queer community. And she also finds that she has to confront her own awkwardness and insecurities in order to find her place in this world. Meanwhile, at home, she's also dealing with her mom's sudden absence from her life because her mom has left Nima and her father um, and has not given them any way to contact her. So that's, you know, pretty traumatic for Nima. Her best friend's also kind of feeling left behind and betrayed. And then there's this really complex um, relationship or slub plot with this bully who has been in Nima's life for a while, but keeps kind of coming up again. And she realizes that this bully has a deeper story than she first realized. So Nima's journey is messy, like in the way that like I'm reading this and I'm cringing and I had to pause because I just I could see where it was going and the secondhand embarrassment was so intense Um, but it's also so heartfelt and realistic that I I really couldn't help but cheer her on even though I knew that she was making some not so great decisions and I think I think that's what will probably be a point of connection for a lot of readers because Nima does not always make great choices but she makes the choices that make sense to her in the moment And I think a lot of us can really identify with that, you know, deep-seated insecurity that comes with wanting to be a part of a community that you know, you know, is for you. But like at the same time, you just don't know how to make that leap. So this book hits a lot of the same themes as You Know Me Well, including friendship and community and finding your courage and also dealing with change. So There you have it. That is Kings, Queens, and Inbetweens by Tanya Bethaju. There are so many amazing queer books to read this month and beyond. And I could go on for another 30 minutes about them all or probably longer. But I hope you'll pick up some of the ones I talked about today or, you know, any of the other amazing queer reads. I would love to hear about what you're reading this month, especially. So feel free to drop me a line. I hang out on Twitter and Instagram at at Tears of Price. 
Thank you so much to today's sponsor for making the show possible. And then thank you to Jen Zink, our audio editor, for making HeyYA sound great. We will see you again next week for the main podcast episode. But until then, happy pride and happy reading.